We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Luke 24, and uh, it's a school of ministry, so I guess uh, we'll have threefold involved in this uh, within the next 15 minutes or less. We'll look at um, both the theology of what we're talking about, redemption, and then, of course, the ministry behind it, and then the practice. And those are the three things I want us to look at together. In Luke 24, obviously Jesus um, was responding to a question of deliverance. We mentioned that earlier on, and uh, redemption in verse 20 and 21. Uh, 19 to 21. We are trusted, let me hear that we redeem Israel. And we said that the expectation wasn't strange. It's an expectation from Scripture. Jeremy 18, verse 15, and several more. But look at the response that he gave in verse 25. He said to them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And like doctor said earlier, he became a man, okay, which is why he's a king's man. Hebrews 2, uh, 14, he partook of flesh and blood. Hebrews 2, 17, 16, 17 says, that, well, he didn't take on nature of angels, but of men, that he might be, you know, a Socorah, he might empathize, you know, of all, all those that he reconciles, you know. So that's established. But there's a bit more we have to look at because uh, not to look at to an, an angle we should see to that. And here it says, begin at Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I repeat what I said earlier, that Jesus' Bible is Old Testament. So most of those words, I use this phrase in interpretation. I call it a codified word. In other words, most of those words we read in the New Testament are like shorthand. I mean, notice how we explain redemption to us. You know, Allah just said redemption. But redemption is for slaves. Then the principle that God therefore makes it by Leviticus 25 that nobody can be a slave forever by the time of year of Jubilee. But notice that a single word took him a while to now explain from the narratives of the Old Testament. That's how Bible study is. So always see that the background of words in the New Testament have a context of the Old Testament. Talk about slaves, talk about how they are set free. Okay, now you can't free yourself. Okay, you can't pay. Okay, after 50 years, which Jesus declared in Luke 20, uh, Luke 4, pardon me, verse 21, this day these scriptures were filled in your ears. And, you know, showing you the theology in the gospel. Now, I don't want to take too much time on that. Now, the theology in the gospel naturally, whether you are looking at the term redemption or the term forgiveness, naturally introduces the concept of ministry. Let me mention something. Look at Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Put that at the back of your mind. Let me run quickly to what we said earlier in the morning, that redemption is a corporate term. Was that clear? Uh, it's a corporate term. Salvation is a corporate term. 
soteria. Why? Because when you use sota, S-O-T-E-R, it deals with people. So salvation deals with people. Righteousness is also a corporate term. Okay? Uh, whether you're looking at what God gave to Abraham and all of that. So the gospel already introduces us to, I can quickly say it now, a global picture of what God wants. In Mark 16, 15, it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, if they ask you what is gospel today, I know the next thing, right, most of us say good news. You know, because that's what we think gospel is, good news. But not necessarily. That word, huagelion, in the Greek, mind my, my Greek, huagelion, means someone who bears news. Now, it's oftentimes used for good news, but the background of it will remain the Old Testament. Okay? You have Isaiah 52, verse 7. Okay? How beautiful are the feet of him that brings forth the glad tidings of good things and publishes peace and says to Zion, uh, of Judah, that God reigneth. You know? The word is basar in the Hebrew. B-A-S-A-R. Very simple word. Now, to understand that that word is only used from 1 Samuel. And 1 Samuel was when Israel started having kings. You will see it in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Nope. You will see it in uh, Joshua, Judges. Yet the stories that it explains are found there. Okay? That word means kingdom news. Kingdom news or kingdom information. Now, the moment you mention kingdom, you are naturally going to be talking about war in the Old Testament. War, warfare, territories. War, warfare, territories. Alright? All about the kingdom. Kingdoms usually are established by warfare, by warfare, by influence, Sometimes by commercial strength. So when you hear gospel, gospel already talks about a king and his kingdom. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? So gospel, if you give it its grammatical meaning, means kingdom information, kingdom news. So it will mean the news about a king, okay, is kingdom his plans, his purposes, his exploits. Alright? So it, the gospel refers to news about the kingdom of God. Now you can't talk kingdom without people. You can't talk people without places. So the word kingdom or the word gospel, sorry, gives us God's vision. Just like the word redemption. We said earlier, redemption is king's man coming to claim back. What is he claiming back? He's claiming back people that he promised through Abraham. What did he promise Abraham? And you shall all the families of the earth 
be blessed. Genesis 12, 3. Let me take our minds to a very, another story like that. Yes, here is Jacob. He's running from his brother. He goes to a place, takes a pillow, stone as a pillow to sleep. While he's dozing and he sleeps off, he sees a ladder from heaven that comes down. Six angels ascend and descend. He sees the Lord upon it. And the Lord says, you know, this land I'll give to you to your seed. And uh, watch what he now said. He says, and all the families of the earth. So, now, if you know Bible language, when I say, when he says he gives you this land, and all the families, even the families of what kind of land could it be? People are still fighting over it today. That is talking about that Middle East portion of land. Let's even assume that is the land. Okay? How many people can stay in that land? All the families of the earth. They can't stay in that place now. In fact, if we are going for if we are going there for excursion, or let's say all these visits, they have to group you because if you all bombard the place at once, if you allow Nigeria alone, no, no, no. Let's just say Lagos, Nigeria will be a problem. You know, like somebody was saying one day, he said most Nigerians have traveled. I said, eh? hey, you think Nigeria is your village? 200 million. I said, if 10% should travel, any continent they enter will shake. <laughs> they will cry for mercy. So imagine Lagos, right? People in Lagos. Yesterday, somebody was asking me uh, about Pastor Makoji, a friend here. He said, sorry for the traffic. I said, I'm from Lagos. That's not traffic. You know, that wasn't traffic. I think... Maybe 20 minutes. That's no traffic. Traffic. <laughs> is when you just assume you are now home. You are eating normally. You quickly wash the nails. You make phone calls. You type your reports. That's traffic. Traffic that you are still saying, okay, let's move. That's not traffic. Traffic is when you now act like you are not in the car. Then you are in traffic. Amen. <laughs> now imagine moving that Lagos, which God wants, to that portion of land. It shows you that He's not he wasn't talking to Jacob about a piece of land. Because he said, Can you number the sand? If you know the sand in all the earth, if, I mean if you are into building, if you put all the sand in the earth, can you put it in any city? So it shows you that even though God used the window of the land of Israel to speak to them, he was speaking about the whole world. So which means the term redemption means that God wants to save who? The whole world. Like Dr. read to us earlier, and I thought we saw it, out of every tribe, nation, and tongue. And why the one for the 4,000? Which Jehovah wickedness? Sorry, Jehovah witness people. I don't, I, did you hear that at all? Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, simply meant that he was going to multiply that nation of Israel in all the world. Which means he has chosen to make the whole world his family. So redemption shows us God's plan. Okay? It shows us his purpose. Don't forget I said, talked about kingdom 
being the base of the word gospel. So, where does he want to be king? He wants to be king everywhere. The psalmist, Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Genesis 1, 27 and 28, it says, replenish the earth, fill it up. So which means that the core, the gospel has, pay attention, it has its person. We talk about Jesus, right? The gospel has its projection. Its projection is everybody. Everybody. Okay. What's the importance of that? So it says in Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. All the world there is basically the Greek word cosmos. It means places where people are. But in Matthew 28 and Luke 24, I didn't get to that Luke 24 because of time, Luke 24, 47, that's the end point of Jesus explaining the scriptures. There. Notice that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and I'm going to talk about John last. After Jesus explains the reason for his death to his disciples, who were initially disappointed in his resurrection, all the accounts end up with him giving them work to do. He gave them a commission. He gave them what to do. Go into all the world, Mark 16, preach the gospel. Matthew 28, in 18, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. That's what teach. Matthew 28, 19. All nations. Luke 24, 47. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. All nations is the language of God's covenant with Abraham. All nations. The Greek word there is ethnos. E-T-H-N-O-S Pay attention to what I'm about to say Ethnos Which means peoples Now When you talk about nations in the Bible We are not talking about location Now today when we talk about nations Ah, nations I'm going to a nation No, but in the Bible Nations refer to people Ethnos People bound by tribe Bound by culture, bound by habits, bound by practice, or bound by a common ancestor. Now, Jesus, within the four Gospels, right, reached nations without leaving Israel. Are we together? He did. In fact, he began his ministry from the Galilee of the Gentiles. Matthew 4. 15 through to 17. That was what he began the ministry of Jesus and they were consistent. John was consistent. Luke was consistent. Mark was consistent. That Jesus began his ministry in Galilee. Galilee is called Galilee of the Gentiles. Which is that part of Israel where different people from other countries will congregate. This is the reason why in Luke 4, when he began to speak from Isaiah 61, and they were listening and enjoying it, then he now skipped the year of vengeance. You know they were angry. If you know how angry they were, 
Keep reading and see the point where they wanted to kill him. That was when they would have hanged him on the cross. What was the reason? Because the portion of vengeance that he did not read in Isaiah had to do with the Gentiles. He now didn't read it. Uh-uh. So as soon as he didn't read it, you know, Luke said, they were wondering, why did he speak so gracious words? Now, gracious to who? Gracious to Gentiles. Let me say it the way they will say it in Nigeria. Who born him? That's what I meant by, is this not Joseph's son? Is this guy a bastard? Why would he skip Gentiles? Then go to the text that Dr. Red was earlier. That all the, this is the year where all slaves. And they knew that it meant the Gentiles would also be free. Meanwhile, they were waiting for a Christ that will first of all cross the Gentiles. <laughs> then you guys do up and say, This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Which scripture? And you skipped the 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 icing on the cake for us. So he said, eh? he said, and he told them, said, is this not Joseph's son? I'll say it in Yoruba, so that because I won't say it in Yoruba. Omoali. That's bastard. That's what we are calling him. He's a bastard. Ah, who is he? Are you sure he was born? Are you sure he's a citizen of this place? So he said, Well, a time will come when you say physician, heal yourself. A problem is not without honor, except among his own household. You know, and Jesus knew how to get people incensed. He didn't stop there. He now said, Where there are not many widows in Israel, and to none of them was a prophet Elijah sent, but to a Gentile. Hey! You know, the two examples he gave were about Gentiles. They were still trying to, ah, what's he saying? He now said, Where there are not many lepers. And to none of the lepers was God sent, or was this prophet sent, prophet Elisha, but to Naaman. After that, they wanted to kill him. He had to escape. Because the two stories he gave there were stories of God's love towards non Jews. Who's following what I'm saying here? Now, what's the background of this fall? It's so that we'll see that the gospel and Depicted by the ministry of Jesus has no particular ethnic group in mind. It therefore means the gospel is multi-ethnic in reach. Because now, don't forget we said an ethnic group, ethno, sorry, a nation is bound by ancestors, bound by tribe. They are also bound by habits. Okay? So, when he said, go and make disciples of all nations, he's not asking you to go and get visa to travel. Because his own ministry also reached all nations. He was born by poor parents. Amen. That's a nation. His parents were poor. They could not afford the sacrifice uh, items for poor folk. I mean, for rich, for, for comfortable. They had to use for the poor. Two, when he was about two years old, it was a wise man from the east that brought them gifts, believed that the gifts were enough for them to run away. 
when he came back. That's Jesus. Of course, when you died, he died among criminals. That's a nation. Ah, is it not a nation? One of them believed. When he was buried, he was buried among the rich. Jesus of Arimathea, he also believed. Amongst those that he that began to follow him was Nicodemus secretly, who was also a ruler of the Jews. He went to the house of Zacchaeus. If that happened today, and people should take the picture of just that of Zacchaeus, they will cancel him on Twitter. This Jesus doesn't even know Christ. That's what they tell him. He sat down one day, Luke 15, and a woman, the one we can call Olosho in Nigeria, was at his feet, putting her hair and crying. Imagine seeing that on Facebook, and we thought he was a man of God. The Pharisee said it. If this man was a prophet, he should have known. <laughs> now, how did they know? <laughs> How did they know? <laughs> you know? Even the disciples were embarrassed. Jesus embarrassed many people. I'm sure the angels were a bit embarrassed to when he was born by Mary. I mean, everybody were embarrassed. Joseph was embarrassed. Ah, he was planning to say, just send a text. It's over. Claire. Because this may look scandalous, but the back of Jesus was out of wedlock. Amen. He went quiet. Amen. Out of wedlock. Amen. Okay, where were we? Even the angels were scandalized. What's God doing here? Is bringing everybody together. Amen. The wise men from the east. They knew the Savior was born before the Jews who were going to synagogue every day. Can you see unifying? He came back from Egypt and now began ministering in the Galilee of the nations, Gentiles. He now called young boys as his disciples. Young boys. Most of the disciples were young boys. He called them to himself. So he had the rich, he had the criminals, he had the he had uh, the scribes, he had everyone. His ministry didn't tilt to any part of society. No, he had the educated, the illiterate. So when he was going to send them to preach, Matthew records it. That he took them to Galilee, that mountain. Don't forget what Galilee was. Galilee was where he started his ministry. And his ministry was to reach who? So when he took them to that mountain, he said, Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, all kinds of people. So the first thing about the gospel. Is that the gospel is blind to ethnicity. 
The gospel is blind to status. Status. You know, you can start viewing the church from the eyes of elites. The gospel is blind to it. Because in Jesus' status in Israel, he was not considered an intellectual. In fact, they used to, in John 7, they said, ah, this guy is not an intellectual. How did he know this? He was a semi-illiterate. Which means the gospel itself is a unifier. The gospel is the basis, I say it like this, the gospel is the real United Nations. Because this is the United Nations that is USA that dictates what they are doing there. The big boys. They can just decide. So, so, and so. Nigeria has only an order to write pin paper and rejecting an object. They've done what they would do. Just be saying, we, we vehemently do not like. What does that mean? <laughs> you vehemently oppose. It's significant. <laughs> but the real United Nations is the gospel. The young, the old, the rich, the poor. Even those who are doctrinally or religiously averse to each other. Look at the Samaritans and the Jews. They are sworn enemies. Such that when Jesus was going to ask them to go and preach, he said, do not go to the Samaritans. Because he knows what's going to happen there. Don't go. Ah, Lord, but ah, you know, do not go. Don't go that way. Just go and meet the lost people. Okay, we've heard. But when he rose from the dead, he asked them to begin. He said, Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. What's the difference? Now, they are clear as to what the gospel is. In Luke 9, they were going for, they were going to a meeting. They went to Pastor Samaria. The Samaritan said, if you come here, you go by. Ah, and the disciples were like, Lord, what, what? Are you talking to us like that? Would you at this time call down fire? That's the basis of that request, though. Is that the first time they will oppose them? But, they, but because it's the Samaritans, they wanted fire. There was age long ethnic rivalry. Who's following what I'm saying here? I said, ah, ah. Don't you know the spirit that you are of? You know, they have taken ethnic wars, even in their ministry. But when he was done with them after 40 days, he said, Go to Samaria. This is by the way. Why do you think the apostles had to go and check what Philip did in Samaria? The things they did there. That is Samaria. <laughs> they had age-long issues. But you know what? When Jesus gave a parable about the priests, can you remember the parable? Who was the one who depicted Jesus? The Samaritan. That parable will annoy them. That parable like, ah, is he now saying, ah, ah, Samaritan. Till today, what do we call it? Good Samaritan. <laughs> it doesn't look then. He sat down in the house of Martha and Mary. Naturally, the woman would prepare food. Martha was in the kitchen. But a crucial lesson there was that Mary also sat down with the disciples. Which means that Jesus, unlike the culture of the Jews, he's training a woman for ministry. 
when he rose from the dead, all the boys in the men's fellowship, the MOGs, he said, we don't believe. Raised from the dead, how? How? You know, who did God send to the apostles to preach to them? A woman. A woman. So he broke down whatever biases they had. The four gospels, everything Jesus did is theology. He broke down the barriers, rich and poor. He has not asked you to hate the rich, oh. Rich and poor. Anybody you call sinner, at some point, you know, he said, ah, does he know, not, not know that this girl is a sinner? This, this, ah, I know four men that slept with her yesterday. Jesus now looked at them. Oftentimes his parables are sarcasm. And he says, ah, which one of you that has a hundred sheep and one of them should be missing will not go after that one and lead the 99. I want to use an illustration so you understand. Let's assume, please, you are the Pharisees for this moment. So you are now looking at Jesus and say, ah, what's in your head? I say, hey, which one of you, if he has a hundred sheep, then he now turns to that woman. Let's assume that this is the woman. It makes it better. That is a prostitute. Will not go after the one sheep than the 99 that need no repentance. That's sarcasm, no? Because he told them one time, he said, why is he with sinners? Uh, I've not come to call the righteous. <laughs> but the sinners to repent. They will be incensed. They, they can't argue that they are not righteous, but they know they are not. Do you understand? You know when somebody hook you one place, you don't like her. Ah, you cannot speak out. You can you don't be grumpy say we'll get you some other time. So he unified everyone. And this gives us the vision of the gospel. A gospel of redemption, a gospel of God's kingdom is blind to gender, blind to age. Blind to status, blind to ethnic groups. Hallelujah. Is it making sense? Now, if that is the message, then that has to be the ministry. Because you cannot separate the message from the ministry. We have seen the person of Jesus. We have seen the message of Jesus. Then the ministry has to reflect that message. Is this making sense? I'll give you a practical example. Then we'll just say a few things. I often say this. One of my favorite books in scripture. I don't like this word favorite. But take my sense like that. It's the book of Philemon. Where there's a man. Who within their culture. Is a wealthy guy. Call him a millionaire. In today's land, there's millionaire, there's pneumonia. There was one classmate of mine then, Ario. When we were in Form 1, first day in the body house, he would declare bonanza for all boys. First week. And he would take us to the school board tree. 
if you are lucky when he's there, you eat anything and you pay for it. So people say, Ariyo, Ariyo. He will spend. By the second week, he's sitting at the hockey pitch. I don't know whether he's praying. He has what you call cray. He doesn't have money. And I'm saying a consistent thing, though. First week is like, a, I don't know what happened. So, ah! And I say, Ariyo, every first week of the time, you are a millionaire. After that, you are a pneumonia. <laughs> I give him a nickname, but he still bears his name. <laughs> so, Philemon is a millionaire, a big boy. And one of the, one of the ways to know in the Greco Roman world that you are wealthy is property and assets, including you know, employees and all that. So, along the line, he got born again. He met Paul. That's Philemon. He became even a leader in the church at Colossae. So, but, you know, and Paul loves him a lot. I mean, he's a trusted ally. So, one day, Paul is in jail, and he meets a guy called Onesimus, who had happened to have worked for someone, and he came to Paul, he got born again. And then, uh, as he was telling his story, he told Paul his story. Ah, Paul, ah, Philemon, ah, that's your boss. Ah, yes, sir. And you know him? Ah, he's a member of my church. Ah, he's a member of the church. Ah, it's okay, no problem. So Paul takes a letter, begins to write, and he's, ah, Philemon, he says, uh, I've heard of your faith towards the Lord, and your love for all saints. Philemon is saying, thank you, Pastor. And I pray for you, that the communication of your faith become effectual by the acknowledgement of every good thing. Amen, amen. I receive, Pastor. I receive. Your love for the church, uh, Pastor, I don't mention it's, it's what you taught us to walk in the Spirit. So, I said, okay, <clears throat> yeah. Um, just a few weeks ago, I met someone by the name of Onesimus. Do you know him? Onesimus. Which one, sir? By labor. Onesimus. He said, yeah, yeah, I know, I know him, Pastor. I know him. Yeah, I, I used to know him. You still know him, yes, sir. Okay. He's now born again. Eh, ah, praise the Lord. He's now your brother. You know, before he was a slave, now you receive him as your brother forever. You know how we preach it now? Say yes, sir. Forever. It's your brother. You have the same father. Yes, Pastor. You are both in Christ. Yes, Pastor. Neither Jew nor Gentile. Yes, Pastor. Not born nor free. Yes, Pastor. Now, you know, in their culture, if a slave runs away, there are two penalties when they catch him. Is that he pays for his life or he serves forever? Except you can pay a heavy penalty. There was one guy like that. They told him that he has to pay five million. He said, Kill me. <laughs> he said, They sell my family. We won't get five million. He said, Kill me. <laughs> so, imagine Paul is now discussing that with Philemon. He said, You are not just going to receive him as a servant, he's now your brother. Ah! Philemon is sleeping. And he says, If he has told you anything, 
That means Paul is not denying it. Restitution does not mean you don't believe in the blood of Jesus. Sometimes it's just to correct any wrong you can correct. But I always tell people, like, when you want to do restitution, go and see your pastor if he knows the Bible. So that you don't go and restitute your life. There was one brother that came to me in 1996 or so. He said, I want to go and he told me, I said, this restitution, you won't come back alive. He said, what do I do? Restitute in your heart. This one that you want to go and do, you won't come back alive. <laughs> because it's, it's about your conscience, not to God. So no one make sure your conscience doesn't exist again. Because you won't come back. I won't see you again. I won't tell you what it was going to restitute. It's not something that makes sense. So Paul mentions it. He said, I know. If he has owed you anything, charge it to my account. If your pastor says that, forget it. He said, however, don't forget. You. Why is he talking like that? Because when it comes to the ministry, the honor of Jesus is on his ministers. He says, you owe me your life. Ah! He said, I, now Paul is up there. He said, I trust that you will not just do this. You will even go beyond my instructions. <laughs> he said, prepare my lodging. I'll be around. You know, I'll be delivered to you guys and all that. Ah! It's now time for Philemon to walk the world. He had been preaching. You know, the gospel is for everyone. Hallelujah! All our sins are forgiven. Woo! It's by the blood. You can preach it. Now it's time to do it. As he is, so are we. As he is, as he is. Hallelujah. Oh, the power of God is walking up. You know, you know, you know, we are now like Jesus. Yeah? Okay? We, we, we carry his very essence. Oh, woo! 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 You know, the four gospels have not ended. We are the extension of the four gospels. Everybody's excited. Oh, yeah? Parliament. It's time to, the communication of your faith to become effectual. <laughs> ah! I know money matter not be easy matter. You know? If, for example, it's just to say, Chelsea is the worst team in the world. It's not difficult. That's not a sin anywhere. I know you didn't hear me well. <laughs> You've not seen that in your Bible before. I will show you later. I know the one for my you. Cast out devils. That one is the Bible verse. But the one for Chelsea, I'll get it for you. What was that? You know what I was and Paul is saying, finally, much in that letter, and he's, he's meditating. Ah, what's the Greek word of this one? <laughs> what's the original meaning? <laughs> Look what Paul now Paul now gave Onesimus that letter to take to him. Hey, whoa. That's high point of temptation. He's not the, so the guy is now coming and You now see, you now give him the letter, and you are saying, You are reading from. Pastor Paul. Just now sit down there. I'll deal with your own matter. Hey, yes, Pastor. That's Christian living in practicality. Ministry in practical. Onesimus eventually became a leader in the church. That means you sit down and minister's meeting together. 
And you now say something. You just want to say, I think. <laughs> and then let us break. Hold someone's hand. Let's break. And you just want to say, let's, let's agree. And you can't speak in, speak in tongues. You just Father, help me in this case. Help me. <laughs> At the table of the gospel, those who were offended with each other will sit down. At the table of the gospel, the poor and the rich will sit down together. At the table of the gospel, whether you are Fulani, whether you are Yoruba, whether you are Ijo, whether you are Bibio, whether you are Efik, whether you are Urobo, whether you will sit down together. Because the walls of partition have been broken down. The blood of Jesus has unified us. It's stronger than human blood. The gospel unites us. So it means, therefore, that if the message is like that, if the Savior is like that, your ministry has to be like that. The content of your teaching isn't biased towards any status. Any, the kind of testimonies that we give, the kind of things that are said. You know you can give testimonies that are blind to the realities of the society. That are for the favored. In that sense. The kind of things that we project. The kind of way the ministry is presented does not reflect the redemptive fact of the gospel. What do I mean? If somebody walks into this service now, I know this, is, this church is not like that, but let's just assume and the guy comes in and the guy has tattered shoes and his shirt is not fine. You know, naturally, when we come to church, we look nice. That's because you have what to wear. And then the guy comes in. Maybe he's the first person that gets to the service. You know, and he sits in front. You say, Good morning, bro. What do you want? Guy says, I came to church. Which church? Ah, this church. What's the name of this? Uh, Who invited you? Did you come for deliverance or something? He says, No, this is my Bible. He said, Hey. Come, come. <laughs> I say, eh, this service is Sunday service. What our advice is, when there is no church service, you can come. Somebody will attend to you. He says, no, I just came to fellowship. I know. I'm just saying, it's not this fellowship. This one is a different. Who's following what I'm saying here? Now, if you're not coming to prayer, and say, oh, Oh, God is the Father of all. You are a hypocrite. Because your ministry does not reflect the message. The message embraces all men. One, to be saved. Two, that are saved. I said two different things. It embraces all men to be saved. And embraces all men that are saved. That's why in Romans 14, Paul says, You guys don't agree on food. Eh? Pray together. You don't agree on this one. Pray together. 
Hey, but it's just non-essentials. So, ministry has to reflect it. And it will start by basic things. Evangelism. Where do we go and preach? You go to, for example, you know a place where people smoke weed. You know, there are three calculations there. Number one, are they really going to be saved? Number two, if they are saved, will this one be really saved? Number three, even after they are saved, can they even give to our ministry? <laughs> that can be a calculation of evangelism. I know a church in Lagos that that brother told me he brought a lot of people to church. The pastor says, What's going on? Who did you bring? I said, Sir, where they are staying in this area in Naja, they are full of cult boys. And you know that outreach we did, they are born again. He said, Oh, this is not the kind of souls we want. These ones are not quality souls. How will these ones help our ministry? They can't give. So what do I do? Say, Take them back there. I'm not joking, though. Go and bring quality souls. The thing about that ministry, interestingly, is they do outreach to the poor, but they give them clothes and food, not the gospel. So you see, the same ministry can now go on air, and you see them giving clothes out. It's PR. We don't want to see you giving in domain to the poor. Let them be in your service. Let us call them brother and sister together. Don't tell me you give them. Nobody has sent you to go and do road. Hmm? The people, they should be in God's ecclesia. Jew and Gentile. Right? Evangelism. Are you quick to preach to a prostitute? A thug. But you just look for somebody who has a good car. And you say, this one is born again. Ah! Hey, you have the gospel. <laughs> no. The redemption of the Bible embraces all men to be saved and embraces all men that are saved. So, does your ministry reflect the message? If you get to America today or you get to Sudan, or you get to Ethiopia, or you get to South Africa, or you get to Europe, can you preach the same messages everywhere? Because what you can tell a guy on the streets of worry, maybe somebody who is in some of the slums in Lagos, in worry in Ogun State, if you preach a message to him and you call it the gospel, and you can't repeat that same message, if you see Bill Gates, then it's either you didn't preach the gospel to one of them or both of them. Let me what I said. If you preach a message to a guy in the slums of Wari or Lagos or Yebodi here in Nigeria, and you get before the wealthy, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Warren Buffett, and they all sit down. And you can't repeat that message when they are seated. It's either you preach the, the gospel to them or to that guy, but not both of them together, or neither of them. Because it must sound the same way. 
So God's redemption embraces the two of them such that they will both hear the same invitation. Are we together? So your ministry has to reflect it. Is it not important to note that Jesus gave the 12 disciples the same message? He didn't say, what do you think is on your heart? Peter, Ah, for me, I think I should win fishermen. You go and do that. Matthew's task collector. Well, I, I want to talk to those who are in the marketplace. Very good. What about Thomas? Those who are doubting. No. He gave the same message to all the ministers for all the people. Why? Because it's the same redemption. It's the same savior. If it's the same savior, the same redemption, it's the same message, then it's the same ministry. So therefore, our message and ministry is multi-ethnic, right? Multi-ethnic, multi-gender. No, that's not more. Multi-gender would be a dangerous word. It embraces male and female. Uh, multi-gender is a difficult. Things have changed. <laughs> it embraces all men with different status. Which means that I don't have to live worry to make disciples of all nations. Prostitutes, are they a nation? The poor? The illiterate? Students? Talks? Area boys? Called boys? Is it their nations? Right? So my ministry must embrace those nations. Do you have a ministry for such people? Or your ministry is for certain people? That's why we build churches, we put car park. Nothing wrong. We have car park in my church. Right? But we should also accept those who will come with Keke. Amen? Amen? Those who will come with uh, Okada. Amen? Why? Because the church of Jesus unifies all those people. If the gospel does it, the church has to do it. Therefore, if you are a pastor, you are a shepherd of all nations. A shepherd to the shattered, to the confused. You are a shepherd of all nations. You should start thinking. Because look at this. History has it that the early church, right? They had services that they were interpreters and translators. It didn't start now. So, which means that they many well, you won't see that in readily in the text, but it's in history. It means that start thinking about people that don't speak English. I will never speak English. I even really, really I I detest thinking speaking English means you are literate. And not speaking English means you are illiterate. It's very illogical. Because one of the most enlightened set of people in the world they are Chinese. You don't believe? Believe. America knows. Don't. I, I, I don't. I mean, nobody speaking English is very intelligent. No. Some people don't speak English, but they're very intelligent. Some people do not go to the four walls of universities, and they are very, very intelligent. 
So people went. Hmm. I will soon be lying. So, so your your message, just like your savior, should embrace all men. Your ministry should embrace all men. And your sermons. You know, personally, this is me. I had to cautiously remove some illustrations from my teaching. Because they were elitists. Some illustrations that normally I would have used based on my exposures. But I have changed them. So that what I'm saying does not show bias against or for some people. And that is the gospel for you. And so must be the ministry. Let me say something very quick. Thank God for the internet. And we're grateful. But does it, does it mean anything to us that the whole of Africa, right, barely 20% less have access to it? And that might not change in the next 30, 40, 50 years. So thinking that your ministry is effective because you're always on Facebook is full hardiness. I had a conference a few weeks ago um, with pastors, leaders from different continents and they observed something. That within the COVID period, this is, this is very important and information, the COVID period lasted to this year, that Jehovah's wickedness, sorry, Jehovah's witness multiplied their missionaries in the world, they now have, with the latter-day saints, the highest number of missionaries in the world. And it's not via the internet. The conversion rate now, in Canada and America, is heavy. And also in Nigeria, and in Africa. Whilst we charismatic are busy fighting each other on Facebook, some guys are off it. And they are winning. Let me mention something. The rate of conversions to Islam and to Christianity in the UK is 1 to 5. And they are not using the internet. I'm saying UK. Why did I say that? Because, like I said earlier, majority of people in Delta states are not on the internet. Amen? And Lagos states. So, as we are particular about the media, please be particular about streets, brothels, drug pubs, joints, amen, under the bridges, villages, amen, because that's the ministry. A ministry that does not expand to those people is joking. Your ministry. And don't forget, your ministry is not what we need to see in your pictures. It's what God needs to see. So no matter how much you treat your pictures, God is not seeing pictures. He's seeing what you are really doing. Let this message reflect in your ministry. Amen. Because Paul confronted this he made slaves pastors. No, that's a real confrontation. He made those who are second class citizens. Can somebody today become a pastor that doesn't have a car? Where all the members are using 
Of course, that's not good because if members are using good cars, they should take they should at least get one for the pastor. It's by Blicker. Amen. 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 Up up Jesus, down down Satan. <laughs> Don't say that. Jesus took offering from a young boy. Five loaves and two fish. Eh? Is he not a young boy? The boy is a children's church. So please, forget, don't get messy when it comes to that. But the point is this. Can a fellow who doesn't have a car, he's a pastor, he won't even aspire. God, the nature of the ministry. But there's a disconnect from the message. The message looks like, oh, the Savior of the whole world. Oh, I love everybody. But when it comes to putting the message to practice, you see your ethnic bias comes out. Your bias for status comes out. Your moral grandstanding comes out. There was a sister like that who went to her own church to give a testimony. No, she would do a seminar on HIV infection. So she said that don't discriminate HIV, don't do this, don't do that. She went, people were taking notes. The, the person who held the program is my friend, a senior friend. He said, everybody was saying, wow, wow, it's true, the love of God. And as soon as she was through, they did workshop, she gave them notes, she gave them, everybody was really getting at, yes, brother, yeah. So at the tail end of the seminar, she said, I am HIV positive. Pin drop silence. The brethren were like, eh? Wait, oh. At that point, they didn't say glory again. When she was done, nobody saw her up to the car. Can you see that's hypocrisy? There was a disconnect between what they claim to believe and how they do the work of ministry. That's why today, if somebody says, I want to come and share my testimony for the church, what I was before, how God is using me. I say, <laughs> this, this is my normal advice. It's not that scripture. Your sins and iniquity, I will remember no more. Pay attention to the pronoun. The pronoun belongs to one person. He's the one that will not remember my bread. I learned this as a younger Christian, all of my cousins. He had just gotten born again. So he came home to tell my dad, Dad, Uncle, I'm not a Christian. This was what I did. I did this. I did that. My father said, He said, Ah, this is, it means you have given your life to God. God has truly changed you before everyone. As soon as he left the house, my father called us. The next time he's in this house, if you open it, <laughs> It's God that forgives and forgets. Amen. <laughs> Brendan will just say, that brother now, that brother that used to, <laughs> we still call someone for Indian fornicator. Is that his name? Corinthian fornicator. Is he a Corinthian fornicator? Is that the, that Corinthian fornicator, that story now, woman with the issue of blood. Is that his name? Issue of blood, is that his name? That's the real But that has to change. And reflect in our gospel. Where God said, Moses, my servant. See, God chose Moses. Moses disobeyed God. God told Moses to choose a successor. And do you know that Joshua did not repeat Moses' error? He didn't say, You know, you all know Moses now, what he did, you know. You know. Nobody mentioned it again. In fact, no, no writer of the Bible dared to write it. 
Nobody in the epistles mentions it. How do you want to write it? When you know Miriam and Aaron. Someone say it's the Old Testament. Don't test it. <laughs> don't test it. <laughs> it's too risky. <laughs> so I say, what did Moses do? I don't know. But Aaron, Miriam and Aaron said, that's how I say it. Well, that, that's a pretty for years ago. I said, Miriam and Aaron said, it's not me, according to the scriptures. Because I don't know how leprosy looks like. Amen. I said that to say, God called Moses my servant. Imagine David. David. Jesus sits on his throne. One of the names of the Messiah is son of David. They what? That's the gospel. It cleanses people's pasts. Gives them a hope. Puts dignity on them. That should be your ministry too. That should be your ministry. Don't say, um, uh, I told the church like that, I, used, I pastored for at some point. I said, they had this ministry called prostitution. They now call it Rahab ministry. I said, don't do that. I said, no, it's because we're, mm, mm, don't do Rahab ministry. So anybody who is there, we already know who they are. Let them blame with everyone. So that they can write. And, and an earlier, in, 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 in 93, 94 basically, I had a leader then that trained us to reach prostitutes. Ah. He said, bro, no issues. I said, ah. We'll go. So he trained us. So he took us. I saw it. The first time I went, what did he do for my leader the first time? I was scared. The woman grabbed her trousers. Offer. I moved back. Yeah? <laughs> he went there. So when he said, I should go alone. I said, alone. He said, alone. So I entered. I prayed and prayed. Oh God, let your power. <laughs> what do you want? I just sat down, preached. She got born again. So my leader told me that he said, don't announce it to brethren. He said, that's how they'll be seeing her. So it took us a while, mentored her, got, because people like that will require jobs. Leader, we now took her to a church and we told her, don't mention this. Before I knew her last, that was between 97 and 98, she had become, ah, should I mention the church? Yeah, I can. It's, 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 it's far enough now. She had become like the chief usher of an entire district. Nobody knew who she was. Amen. She had become. I'm sure now she's a pastor. I didn't try to relate her. Just who you are in Christ Jesus. Don't preach it on the pulpit. There is no reflected in your ministry. It's not for sermons. Like Brother Hagin said, his son will ask him when he's telling stories. He said, Daddy, is this story real or is it just for a preaching? <laughs> is this real? So let this reflect in our ministries. As we leave this short exhortation, I want us to go back, if we have not done this, and rebuild ministries that reflect the gospel. Reflect who it reaches and where he reaches them. 
God wants his message to be heard by everyone. And he wants every kind of person, not born again of course, in our assemblies. Hallelujah. Did that bless us? Thank you very much. Bless you. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information,